All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Welcome back to the Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca where uh, you can get in the game. Of course, uh, get your uh, Lotto 649 tickets there. Uh, single game uh, wagering. And uh, nobody won last night. So Friday's Max Millions is now $70 million. Woo-hoo, baby. Check it out. Play Alberta. Dot C A. Got a lot of text to get to. You can always email us in our Jiffy Lube inbox, Jay Gregor at TSN twelve sixty dot C A. Hey guys, uh looking at the Edmonton orders, do you expect a significant trade between now and the draft from Frank? I guess we'd determine what's what's your definition of significant, Frank, would be my first question. If if I'm trading Yamamoto for a draft pick, is that significant? I think it could be in the sense because it frees up $3 million in cap space. All right, so to me, any trade that because the cap matters so much, I would argue that, yeah, I think that's significant. So I'm going to say yes. I don't think it's significant as far as a, an impact player coming back right away, but I think that the uh, the Yamamoto, um, when I just look at, at the player, uh, I look at the cap situation, I look at the scenario for Edmonton, I think there's a way that he's either traded or uh, it's a buyout because the buyout, his cap hit would go from 3.1 million down to 433k this year, then 533 next year. I don't love buyouts, but when you save that much money, you know it, it can make some sense. Right? Like you could you could sign two bottom six forwards at 1.3 million each for the savings on Yamamoto. So that's why I think they would uh, they would look to do it. 
I also, though, think, you know, Yamamoto is a player. I've talked about Chicago before. That's just one team. I think there's, you got to look at teams that, that have a lot of cap space that would look and say, hey, we got to get to the cap floor. But also, like, Kyler Yamamoto has scored 20 goals. He's, you know, he's a solid player. I, and there are guys who are top six players on non-playoff teams who maybe aren't top six players on playoff teams. That happens lots of places because it's hard, right? When when you're a real cup contender, your top six has got to be pretty legit. And I think Kyle Yamamoto is more of a complimentary top six player in Edmonton. I think he's got a better chance to be a a third-line player. The the challenge, of course, is just, you know, his size. And, you know, as he told us in an interview, like, he gets hit in the head almost every game. So there's a risk of injury and lots of other things. So I, I that would be the the one I could see uh, happen. Do I think there'll be a significant move on the blue line from Fred? I my gut would say no. Now that I could be wrong, but like to me, I'm not moving Brett Kulak at all. So that leaves Cody Cece or Philip Broberg. And make no mistake, there's lots of teams that would be interested in Cody Cece. His cap hit is not too high. It's like 3.25. It's not ridiculously high at all. Philip Broberg, he's a young player. What's he going to be as an NHL player? Honestly, I don't know. He's got to get stronger in my books. But it's so young. Like, Philip Broberg could easily find his footing. I think it's going to be harder for him because... Like if this was 2013, like Philip Broberg would be getting every opportunity. Yeah, he'd probably be fed to the lines at times, and it would be a little bit of a tough learning curve, but he'd be in the NHL. The Oilers, like the Oilers, never had uh, an experienced Ekholm, a Nurse, and Kulak to have to beat out. Just didn't Oscar Kleffbaum didn't have to do that. Darnell Nurse didn't have to do that. It's just a different time. So, does that mean I, I can't say confidently? that Philip Broberg is never going to be a really good NHL defenseman. Because I haven't seen him enough at the NHL to know. What I have seen is I think he needs to get stronger. But that's something easily you can do. So would he have value? Damn straight he'd have value. But then the orders have to weigh that to be like, wow. They want to win. They want to compete. So sometimes you make a trade where you get a really good player that helps you, but the guy you trade away, he works out for the other team. That's a good trade. Like Jerome McGinley and Joe Newendike, that's obviously like the high level, right? An elite player in Joe Newendike, Hall of Famer, for a guy who became a Hall of Famer in Jerome McGinley. At the time, he didn't know Jerome McGinley was going to be a Hall of Famer. He had a lot of people that were high on him. I'm not sure people would say for sure he's going to be a Hall of Famer. See, even then, you could never say it, but it panned out and worked out very well for both teams. So, Hey, guys, do you think there's any truth to the rumors that Boston's interested in Nugent Hopkins and McLeod from Garrett? Well, I think those rumors start from people in Boston look at their team and say, well, what if Bergeron and Krejci don't come back? Who are their centers? Right, so then they look and they look around the league and they say, okay, well, who's the team? Here's the thing. Keep in mind that in the playoffs, when they moved Drysdale and McDavid together, Nugent Hopkins didn't play center. Nick Beekstad did. Now, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, do you think he's going to wave a no-movement clause to go to Boston? Like, at least it's Boston. He's not like you're trading him to a, to a terrible team. But he has to waive the no-movement clause. He committed here long-term. I'd be surprised, I guess, here when a team comes to you and says, hey, we want to trade you, like right away now you have a, an option. Yes, it's your option to stay, but do you want to stay in an organization that, that seemingly, I wouldn't say doesn't want you, but is considering trading you? 
right? That that changes things. So, um, as for McLeod, yeah, sure, Boston's interesting, but Edmonton needs some center. Ryan McLeod's. Uh, I'd be surprised if he was moved. I, I thought Ryan McLeod, he can he can fly. Right, he's a young player. I think there's lots of upside with Ryan McLeod. I wouldn't be trading him. I wouldn't do it. Hey, Gregor, what about trading Fogle in a late pick and then buy out Yamamoto? That would give the orders a lot of cap space. Well, again, what do they need cap space for? Name the free agents that you want to go sign. So that's that. you're right, that's $6 million in cap space. But I didn't mind Warren Fogle at all. Right, like Warren Fogle at 2.75 isn't grossly overpaid, especially because the one thing that Fogle has proven, because injuries do happen in the course of a year. And so if you lose some guys in your top six, you need some guys to move up. And you can go and look at all of the numbers. Fogel's production, actual goals, not being on the ice for goals, but actual goals, is good when he plays up there. Right? Now, is he a top six guy full-time? I don't think so. But he can moonlight there for a bit, and I think he's a solid third-line player. My only thing with Fogel is I think you need to use him on the penalty kill a little bit more. Then you're getting more value out of his contract. That would be my only thing with Fogel. His speed, his size. Like he could he have a good year of scoring eighteen goals? Yeah, probably. But I think he kinda is what he is. He's a he's a eleven to fourteen goal kind of guy. There's nothing wrong with that. When it's a majority on five on five or on the penalty kill, it's not like he's padding the stats on the power play. So I like I like Fogel. I I'd be hesitant to move Fogel. I thought him and McLeod were really good in the postseason. Really good. So, hey guys, uh, what about connecting? Now, I've seen that rumor as well, right? Philadelphia. Hey, if Edmonton could trade Yamamoto and Broberg for Travis Konechny, I would strongly consider that. If I'm Philly, you know, why am I doing that? And because Yamamoto is there to make the, the cap work, right? So it's really just Broberg. And, you know, Travis Konechny is what, 26? Man, like he's a hard-nosed player. He's got a pretty good – like, he's a 31-goal scorer, man. And that's in Philly. How many goals could he score if he's playing with Drysdale McDavid as a right-shot guy? So, yeah, of course you make that trade if you're Edmonton, but I'm not I'm not sure Philly is uh, is doing that one. So I, I think those are – like, that's a rumor that I think is being started by Edmonton fans because they, they're hoping to will it into a curry. So I don't uh, – I don't think it's happening. Um, we've got a lot of text about Chris Tanev. The Flames and the Orders, have they made trades in the past? Yes. Do I think they would make something like that? I, I don't think so. So um, that, I don't think that's that's realistic uh, at this point, uh, to be honest. So we'll see. Now, let's get to uh, Tell Me I'm Wrong, Gregor Edition, presented by Legacy Heating and Cooling, home of the no payments, no winters, for one year on your AC unit. Legacy.ca. The Jason Greger Show presents Tell Me I'm Wrong. So it became official today, Brad Trelimi is the the next general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're in a, a big decision slot for that organization. Do they remain status quo with the top four? Keep building around them? Convince them to re-sign in the case of uh, Matthews and Nylander, who can re-sign as early as July 1st. Or do they look to say, we're going to shake things up. 
when I look at Toronto, tell me I'm wrong, Connor Halley and all the listeners, I actually believe that Brad Treleman is better suited to handle those big decisions than Kyle Dubas. I think Kyle Dubas was too closely involved. He signed those guys before. And, and everybody's like that. Sometimes you can be too entrenched in the decision. I, I'm not saying that the move he makes is going to guarantee more success. Two different things. But I think Brad Treleman is emotionally removed. He has a better chance to make the right decision. Tell me I'm wrong. I will not tell you you're wrong on this one, Gregor. Uh, fresh to the organization, maybe doesn't have the attachments to those guys that necessarily uh, Kyle Dubas would, who'd been there longer. I think he comes in there with a fresh perspective on this one. And you know what? I, I thought he was a good GM. And then after seeing how he handled the situation last year, after losing Johnny Goudreau and you know the trades they ended up making for Matthew Kachuk, I know Kachuk's still playing. and It's going very well down in Florida. Uh, but that was a messy situation, and I thought he did a real good job there of handling things. So, yeah, I'll, I, I, I agree with you with this one. I think Trilling going to the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, being an experienced general manager and not having that attachment to those guys and maybe going in there and just making the better hockey moves, I think it's going to be an advantage and will be better than it had Kyle Dubas been around still. Guys, I'm a Leafs fan. This is a terrible take, Gregor. I strongly disagree. Dubas has proven he's a much more astute and today's analytics-driven NHL GM. Wherever he goes, they'll have more success than truly me in Toronto. Well, we'll see, won't we? We shall see. I like Now, that's a good written explanation of why you think I'm wrong. The great part is we won't know for certain until the future. Hey, guys, that's if he's allowed to make the same move without prior attachments. What's to say MLSC and Shanahan being attached won't hold it up from Ben? Ah, fair point, Ben. Now you're you're basing that off the the article you were talking about that, um, and I'd read the article that said, uh, you know, Dubis didn't like the chain of hierarchy in with MLSE. That sometimes if you wanted to make a movie, had to go to Shanahan, then he had to go to the board. And so here is my question. That that to me is, if true, it makes absolutely no sense. I believe you should say, okay, if I'm the owner of a team, I hire the GM. I'm hiring you to do the job. Now, you're going to pass over, unless it's like so ridiculous, but if I have a, a, a president of hockey operations and I have a GM, why am I on the board having final approval of it? Because clearly spending's not an issue in Toronto. You look at their staff. like I think they have like 70 people on staff, right? Like they spend more money than any other team. So in a salary cap era, like what trade would you need the board to approve it? Honestly, I don't understand that. Why would you just give Shanahan and Dubas say, okay, you guys, you're in charge. You're going to live by it. You're going to die by it. We're empowering you to make the decisions. Why would the board be doing it? How many people on the board? Because i got to think the board's only there for financial reasons. So if you're in a cap era, what, what's really going to change? On, so, may, hey, we want to sign this guy, and we want to give him a bigger signing bonus? Okay, but that's not what the article said. It talked about a trade. Right, so if you acquire the guy that you're trading for him, you know what you're acquiring. Oh, maybe he has a signing bonus in July. Well, that's why, hey, we're going to make this trade a signing bonus. Are you good? Yes. It should be instant. But that, to me, that make, that whole, when I read that, I was like, if this is true, there's no chance you have success. And if it isn't true, 
then I really question it. But I, uh, I, I don't understand it at all. Hey, guys, Trey Living gave Huberto 10.5 mil. Let's see what he gives the other guys that are better. Hey, I understand it. I, I look at now, keep in mind that Jonathan Huberto, when he signed that contract, had the fifth most point. He was top five point producer in the NHL the previous four years. Like, it wasn't like it's crazy. I know he played out in Florida. But it wasn't like, and hey, he had a bad first year. Part of it's maybe moving to a new team. I think part of it was the negativity that was surrounded the organization. So we'll see if he pans out. Yeah, year one didn't go well. But the great part about that wasn't now, what if Huberto scores 95 points this year in the first year of his new deal? Last year was on the last year of his new deal, of his old deal, excuse me. So does that make it look like, hey, the deal's fair? We'll find out. 320, we'll come back. We'll update you on our uh, auction item today. For all of you golfers who want to tee it up on Friday with uh, yours truly, we'll tell you how you can. We'll have a lot of fun. And we'll return to the Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 27, Evidence Sports Leader, TSN 1260. Hope you're having an awesome day. Uh, hey, do you want to have a fun day? I can guarantee you fun because I'll be part of it. Uh, Friday, we are uh, teeing it up in uh, Smash Out MS at the Ranch Golf and Country Club. And uh, we're auctioning off a foursome. Uh, four of you to uh, tee it up with uh, yours truly. It's an 8 o'clock shotgun start. Uh, it includes breakfast beforehand. Uh, also, we'll include uh, two drink ticks for everyone. Also, you get the uh, golden ticket, which allows you to enter into uh, all the draws on the course that day. And try, there's lots of them. You know, there's Maui gym, sunglasses, and everything else. Usually, the gold ticket's 50 bucks a person. So there's 200 for the foursome. And more, and currently Michelle has it at a bargain at six fifty. So it's helping out MS. So if you know somebody in your family who has MS, maybe you're dealing with it yourself, or your loved one, you want to have a lot of fun. All the money goes to a great cause. Text in your bid at ten twelve sixty with your name, or you can uh, call Connor at triple four twelve sixty. And also, uh, one more thing uh, before we uh, get to our next guest: Do you want to go to the Stingers game tonight? It's a great atmosphere. It's got a big crowd going. And uh, we're giving away a pair of seats. All you have to do is text in right now. Who are they playing tonight? And Connor will pick a random winner. Who are the Stingers playing tonight? Texas to 10, 12, 60. And Conman will uh, pick a winner from that. In the meantime, uh, let's get to the uh, playoff report brought to you by Tenacore. From fire hydrants to custom fabricated items, pumps, and hoses. Call the team at Tenacore for all your industrial fire protection equipment needs. Or check them out at Tenacore.com. Com as uh, John Dover joins us on the eve of the uh, sorry Josh Dover on the eve of the NBA final. It's the uh, Denver Nuggets in their first ever NBA final, coming off uh, a dominant performance over the LA Lakers. They've been patiently waiting. Now they will face the Miami Heat. And uh, Josh, I have to admit, I'm a little surprised how. It almost seems like some of the national media are trying to downplay Denver. Well, they haven't beat anybody very good, and I'm just kind of like, pardon? Like, I I don't know, maybe I'm missing something here. Like, they just dominated the Lakers, and everybody who, lots of people were picking the Lakers, lots of people were picking the Suns against them, and, um, you know, like that Suns team, last I checked, had some pretty good players. I mean, you're hitting the nail on the head, Jason. It's uh, a ton of disrespect. <laughs> Coach Michael Malone's been talking about it. He mentioned it a little bit today at Media Day, and it's it's almost a beautiful spot. I mean, you're you're the best team left, and you're still undervalued and underappreciated. I, I think it's exactly where they want to be, and it's. I told a bunch of radio stations out in LA during the Western Conference Final, it's 
Denver's the better team. Uh, I mean, there's not, there's not a lot of argument to be made of what Denver has done, and they've been doing it since December, and I think they're in the same boat. Miami, they're tough. They're led by Jimmy Butler, who's a true alpha in the NBA, uh, but they're, again, the better team and should be getting a lot of respect. I know all the betting favorites got them going the way they're going, but, yeah, the national outlook, it's a whole lot of dogging, the little cow town that is Denver, Colorado. <laughs> um, you look at the Nuggets, and, hey, Jokic gets a lot of press, as he should, but I thought Jamal Murray might have been their best player in that L.A. series. He was on, He was unreal. Yeah, he was great. Every game where Jamal shot over 40% from three, they won the game. So he's a huge key. McCullough uh, averaging the triple-double in those couple of crazy shots that he hit and his rebound numbers give him that, you know, Magic Johnson Western Conference final trophy. But could have made the argument for Jamal as well. And he's come on and he has been outstanding in this playoffs. And it's kind of who he is. He's a gamer, right? He did it in the bubble and kind of had that coming out party. And then the injury, of course, slowed it down. But if he's shooting the ball well and him and Nicola are running the two-man game with pick and rolls and they'll run inverted pick and rolls where Jamal goes and sets the screen, if those two guys are going and Jamal's shooting over 40%, Jason, I think the Nuggets have a chance to sweep this series. You look at matchups and – Nobody, like Jokic, he makes triple doubles look almost easy, and, and they're not. But he makes it look easy, especially the passing ability that he has for a big man. I did chuckle a few times. He's shooting off balance threes, for goodness sakes. Like, it's almost unfair at times. <laughs> but w- what do you expect the Heat, what are they going to try to do? Because I'll say one thing Spolster has been a really good coach. He's had a lot of success uh, in his time. And, and the Heat, I think they play to the personality of Jimmy. Butler, and that guy gives you everything. But what kind of matchup do you think they can do, and how can they contain Jokic? Is there any way? Have you seen any team be able to do it successfully? Uh, Not really. I think the conversation being had right now is about letting him go off and score. But he's just so smart, man. I mean, that's that's the advantage that he has because – if the game is giving him scoring, well, he'll put 53 on you. If the game is not giving him scoring, well, then Jamal will put 40 on you, and they'll go from there. It's, I don't know that there's somebody that can paint him. I know Darvin Ham and the Lakers thought Rui was going to be somebody that could help save that situation, and then they played that soft zone behind him with Anthony Davis. But the Heat are going to play small. He's owned Bam throughout the times that they've played against each other. So in a one-on-one matchup, I mean, he ate Rudy Gobert for lunch in round one. I don't know that there's a player on the planet that can slow him down one-on-one. He's too smart. He's not athletic, but he's so gifted with some touch and feel around the basket that I don't think that there is a player on the planet that can slow him down. And, yeah, that includes Dwight Howard with his stupid Internet comments. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Dwight's trying to stay uh, relevant. What about defensively, though, for the Nuggets? Um, Jimmy Butler, man, like that guy is just a straight-out baller. And, you know, the Heat – they have different guys step up at different times. You know, they don't have two superstars. Kyle Lowry's not a superstar anymore, and I think Bam's really good. I don't put him in the superstar category. But Jimmy Butler definitely is. So defensively, what are the challenges that Miami's going to present for Denver? Uh, I think perimeter is going to be tough. We're talking about Jamal. Uh, he's going to face guys like Jimmy Butler. Uh, he'll get a Caleb Martin who's got a little bit of size on him. That'll be somebody that he has to fight with a little bit. But it's the paint. They're going to dominate. Uh, I, I think on the secondary side of things, like a guy like Bruce Brown, I don't know that the Heat bench has any answer 
for somebody like Bruce Brown. I know they're talking about Tyler Hero coming back, and Denver will have to adjust to that. But I, I just fully believe Miami not having the horses. Jimmy's great. And you got a couple of those role players that you're talking about. And I agree with you 100% on Kyle Lowry. If that guy has to play more than 28, 30 minutes, that hurts Miami more than it helps them. So they got a couple favorable matchups. And really, probably only the Jimmy side of it offensively. Outside of that, I think Denver's favored in every matchup. And then we talk about it a lot on my show. The, the, the stars are the stars. You know, Jimmy and Bam are going to do their thing. You know, Nicola and Jamal are going to do their thing. If you list everybody else three through eight, three through nine, depending on a rotation nightly, and we're playing pickup, and nobody's picking any of the Heat players first. You're going down Denver's list, and then, you know, Duncan Robinson's standing there last kicking gravel waiting to be picked. Josh Dover joins us. I'm the Sports Leader TSN 1260. It's the uh, Heat and the Nuggets. Uh, they tip off tomorrow. And then, of course, the NHL Stanley Cup final gets going on Saturday. You mentioned uh, heroes coming back. Like, that's a pretty big addition uh, for Miami. That that's It's got to give them some different looks that, that they might present. You know, that guy can shoot the ball when he gets hot. There's no question about it. But he hasn't played for a long time. But how much of a... A wild card, do you think he's going to be in this final? See, I don't think he'll come back till three, right? He hasn't played basketball in a handful of weeks, and then you come and have to play your first one at altitude. I don't know that Eric Spolstra is going to roll that card out, but okay. I think in Miami, he's, he's a big factor because he's a guy that can come in. He's probably their best shooter. You can run action for him off of a screen or double screen and have him drag across it. So I think he presents a problem. But I also think that they go back to Miami down 2-0, and I'm really interested to see how much the Heat kind of chase their own tail, if you will, and, and try to win the game by, by shooting threes. And, look, you can live by the three, but if it ain't falling, and you know, Jason, in today's NBA, you're going to die by that thing really quickly. So he can be a threat, but I, I don't know that it'll be enough of it when they get back down to Miami already down two games to none. Jokic, you know, I'm sure he cares more about the uh, getting the. Ch- and I really thought Embiid had a good season. I wasn't that uh, uh, up in arms that, that Embiid won the MVP over Jokic. I, you know, I, I could see the argument either way, so I totally understood it. But when you look at Jokic, I've seen a lot of the NBA guys like no one really can find a comparable to him at all. Like he's very unique in what he does, and he gets a lot of attention. What about Jamal Murray since he's come back from the injury? Where, how much do you think a, a, a championship ring changes how he's viewed across the league? That's a great question because we've always talked about the all-star stuff and him not being an all-star. It's kind of a way of his environment because of what the West is at that guard position. But he was I'll go back to the bubble, what I brought up earlier. He was starting to put himself on the NBA map gets hurt, goes away. It's just Nicola, then the national media tucks Denver to bed because uh, they don't have the horses. What he's done through this playoffs is something that he's never done before, Jason. He's been consistent. Night in, night out. For the most part, you know what you're getting from Jamal. He might start 2 of 13, but in the fourth quarter, like he did in game three in L.A., he'll drop 23 in the quarter. So when Jamal takes the next step and does it regularly with consistent scoring, he will be an all-star, and maybe this championship run, it, it kind of proves to himself how valuable he is to the team, what he can do for an NBA team, and then he decides to elevate that game regularly throughout an 82-game season. He's not going to give you 25 every night. That's not how the NBA works in 2023. But if he can give you 25 and then 20 and then 35 and then 20, 
that's when Jamal Murray will start to get that recognition that I think he deserves, I think he'll get, and then he'll be an all-star. How much has – because coaching in the NBA, I do think, is a big factor. Um, maybe maybe more than some other sports, just because of how you set up different strategies and, and how you use your certain guys. Obviously, you need superstar players. There's no question about it. But how much is coaching being a factor for the Nuggets in your eyes? Uh, you know, I think early on quite a bit, especially with this team and, and Malone kind of developing these guys, getting the, the ball to go around in Nikola Jokic, and if it's not, then he brings the ball up the floor as a seven-footer. Uh, I think it's been really, really big. Uh, I think certainly since December, Jason, it's almost, you know, Michael Malone puts the coins in and hits start. And that's kind of what it is because you're led by Nikola Jokic. You're led by Jamal Murray. The championship presence that Contavious Caldwell-Pope has brought to this team, it's been invaluable. I mean, there there are times this year that started where Malone's not even in the huddle. Nikola literally takes the board, and he's drawn up a play. There's been a couple of times where Kenny Pope has done that same thing, and he kind of takes over. Now, you got a game plan, you got a scheme, you got to get your guys in the way, but it's – I know what you're hinting at, and I, I honestly lean more towards that. I always hear that. Steve Kerr is one of the top five coaches of all time. He's got the best shooter that's ever lived on planet Earth, man. Jason, you and I are coaching those guys to four championships. So I, I don't put as much stock into it, and, and I think Malone has gotten his team to a point where he kind of gets to wash, rinse, and repeat, but still has to do his job game playing. The dude harps on defense like it's going out of style. So that's kind of where he's making his coin right now. I will say the one thing about Kerr, though, where what Kerr did that most coaches wouldn't is he let Steph Curry shoot from areas that no one ever did before, and that really kind of transformed the game. And a lot, a lot of coaches, I don't know if they would have had the willingness to let go of the norms that used to be there. Like, Steph Curry's changed the whole game. I, I, like, as oh, yeah. great as LeBron and Michael were in their eras, Steph Curry's changed the NBA more than LeBron has as far as style of play. Oh, I agree. I agree with you. And it's, it's that thing of, and you got a couple of them, of Michael Porter Jr. will take some of those shots out here, and it's it's that moment where you're yelling, what the are you doing? But it goes in if it's Steph Curry. <laughs> so even a bad shot attempt, if it goes in, it turns into a good shot because you got the mark on the scorecard. So I, I just think he's a generational talent. And, yeah, you're right. I should give Steve Kerr a little bit more of that credit to lengthen the leash and let Steph develop into what he did because not a lot of coaches would have done it new approach, new age, he did let it happen. So it's just such – these guys are so talented, man. It's roll out the basketball. They've been doing it their entire lives. And if you run it through Nikola Jokic, who's seven foot tall but can pass like a point guard and has touch like he's, you know, George Gervin and finger rolling at the rim, well, then he's the coach on the floor. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, What's your prediction in the final? You know, like I said, I can see a sweep. Uh, I'm going to go gentleman sweep because Nicole is a gentleman. So uh, I'm going to go 4-1. Uh, I think that they steal one in Miami, and then they come back here and they get to deliver to the Mile High City something that these folks have never tasted, and that's an NBA championship. So give me the Nuggets in five. Well, I'll say right now, man, Denver's won a lot recently. Of course, the Avalanche last year, you've got uh, NLL for uh, for lacrosse fans. Uh, now you got the Nuggets. Yeah. Like they're a pretty, a pretty good run for sports fans in Colorado right now. Absolutely. I actually got a chance to interview Josh Conkey this morning and uh, kind of said that to him. I'm like, man, you pinch yourself, living the dream. What's going on here? 
Uh, and he said, you know, he gave me the answer. We've been thinking about these moments and putting in the work for these moments going back almost a decade, certainly with the avalanche. And you, you'll, you'll remember the Patrick Wall nightmare, the Matt Duchesne trade, all the things that were happening there. You had to ship out Ryan O'Reilly, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then they get the payoff ultimately last year. Everybody's kind of on pins and needles with Gabriel Landeskog's cartilage or, or lack thereof uh, for what happens moving forward. But it, it is, it's a great time, man. It's, this city, Jason, we've lived off of a narrative called Nug Life, and it's kind of what will go wrong does go wrong. Um, and it's, it's just lifted. The city is just in a beautiful spot. Everybody is kind of, uh, I mean, I'll say it, almost overconfident as to what this finals could be for the Denver Nuggets. So, yeah, the Cronkies are living the dream right now, something that we all literally only get to dream about. It's true. Awesome. Thanks for your time, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate you guys having me. That's uh, Josh Dover from uh, Altitude Sports. You got the uh, Nuggets and the Heat. Yeah, I I see the Nuggets as a pretty big favorite uh, in my eyes. I just I, I don't know how you slow down Jokic. I don't see how you do it. So... And Jamal Murray, don't don't overlook Jamal Murray. You need like Jamal Murray is playing like a superstar in the playoffs. And if he hadn't had that brutal injury, that cost him like a year and a half, the ACL. I I wonder if you've been talking about him even more. So it's uh, it's great to see you know a Canadian like that, but not even just Canadian. Just he's a really good player. It's exciting to watch. But I really enjoy that. I'm looking forward to Game One tomorrow night. Uh, we'll come back. We'll get to uh, help me understand. We have uh, Mike Rupp. Uh, then Tyler Wright will join us, the Orders Director of Amateur Scouting and uh, Player Personnel. Talk about the uh, acquisition today. It's a young player, of course, still in the dub. He's been scouting him for a few years. And kind of with, with only three picks, how does the strategy change at all? And is there more pressure to make those picks really count? It's coming up at the Gregor Show presented by Play Alberta. Welcome back. I'm the sports leader, TSN 1260. Happy uh, Wednesday to you. Hope you're having a, an awesome day, Jason Greger. Connor Halley, we got a bit up to uh, 700 now from uh, Dan. It's a steal of a deal. We're not, hey, we always like to get face value on all of our uh, auction items for uh, charity. So it's 700 bucks. We're not even halfway through the show, though. So we've got time. 700 for. This Friday, a foursome to tee it up in the uh, 12th Annual Smash Out MS Golf Tournament. Uh, it includes breakfast before tee-offs at 8, so it's an early start. It's great. It's going to be great weather. It's looking at Now, if it isn't, we'll blame Josh Clausen, but says it should be good. Uh, it includes your golf and everything, two drink tickets for everybody. Also, you get the golden ticket, which is usually uh, 50 bucks a person, and that's included. So you get to enter into uh, all the draws in the course that day. There's lots of good ones. There's like Maui Jim sunglasses and many other uh, great deals. So, And uh, the four of you will be teaming up with uh, yours truly. So uh, I can guarantee you that we'll have a lot of fun. Um, I know the course inside and out, so if you're a good golfer, I'll point you in the right direction. So I, uh, I'm a better scramble player than I am a regular player. That's all I know. And I uh, also like to bring a few extra treats for the uh, the winners. So we'll, uh, we'll have some of those. But they are, it remains to be seen. But I can tell you it's pretty, if you like eating, it's usually uh, really good stuff. Really good stuff. Got a lot of text to get to at uh, 10, 12, 60. Coming up in the next hour, Mike Rupp will join us. Also, uh, Tyler Wright, the Orders Director of Amateur Scouting and Player Personnel, will be by talking about uh, the uh, trade the orders made earlier today, uh, the upcoming draft. Uh, they traded a fifth-round pick, 
which was well, there's the 152nd overall. I think it's important. It's the 152nd pick they traded to the uh, the New York Rangers. In exchange, the uh, Edmonton owners got a player who was a third round pick two years ago, the 65th uh, overall pick, Jaden Grube. He of course was a member of the Red Deer Rebels. For those of you who watched the the WHL, he uh, led their team in scoring in the uh, postseason. Six foot three, two hundred pound right shot center. Not not a great goal scorer, at least to this point. Hasn't shown uh, finish. He's more of a playmaker than he is a shooter. Uh, good defensively, physical, rough kind of. You know, you would look at him and say, "Hey, what does he project?" You're probably saying he projects to be a third line center. That's what you'd project him as, right? Guy who can kill penalties, hard to play, and maybe he's only a fourth liner. But hey, if he becomes an NHL player, it's unreal because it's a fifth round pick for an NHL player. Now, who knows if he does? And you know, I got to think the the the, the mindset and the decision making in this was okay. We're getting a player who now we've had more views of for two years, and when we see him, we think his projection is going to be better than what we think is going to be available 152nd overall. And uh, and they go from there. So we'll uh, we'll see where uh, where it plays out in regards to that. Hey, Gregor, do you think it matters that the uh, Oilers don't have that many draft picks this year? Well, it's not ideal. I don't think it matters in the short term because keep in mind. Like, look at how many – so let's just say, okay, how is it going to impact the Edmonton Oilers? So let's look at the 2021 NHL draft. Right? It was two years ago. How many players from the 21 draft have played in the NHL? Who have played more than you know? You had guys like obviously Cole Sillinger and and JJ Moser have played the most, right? Then you got Manny Beniers, Mason McTavish, Ken Johnson, Owen Power, Wyatt Owen Power and Wyatt Johnson have probably been maybe the uh, the two most well Manny Beniers close, but I really like Wyatt Johnson, um, him and Beniers, right? They're pretty close. So what are we talking like ten players, and uh, none of them. Outside of the, uh, there's two players in the second round. The rest are all first rounders. So if you're if you're looking at at, at a fifth round selection that you just traded, when's it helping you? Well, let's go to the uh, to the 2020 draft. Any any players from the uh, the fourth or fifth rounds playing? Uh, Isaac Phillips has played 20 games for Chicago, and Elliot Desnoyers has played four games for Philly. Now. Isaac Phillips, defenseman on a pretty bad team, got into uh, you know 16 NHL games this year. Awesome for him. He's a young kid, right? Big kid, six foot three, but not many. So now we're talking three years. So now we'll go back to one more. Let's go to 2019, and you look at fifth round picks. Uh, you have Mark Kasulik, who's played 81 games, and that's it. So moving off from one more pick, it's a fifth rounder. It doesn't really impact Edmonton right away. Now, unless you feel they could use that fifth round pick and have traded it at the draft for an NHL player. Now, rarely do you get a fifth rounder straight up for an NHL. You're going to have to combine it with other picks at the draft, right? Rarely are you getting a fifth rounder. It's weird. Um, could you in the regular season get a player for a fifth rounder? Yeah. But for whatever reason, the draft usually, oh, you want an NHL player now? Oh, now it's worth two picks. Just 
know, people view the picks as more valuable at the draft because you're kind of in that mindset. But in November, eh, well, we'll take a pick, right? For whatever reason, that's kind of odd, but that's how it works. So long term, it's not ideal, but if the orders magically find a way to hit on two of those picks, then it doesn't really matter. Like one has to hit for sure, right? You want to try to get at least one player from the draft, and ideally two. But keep in mind, for the most part, you're talking five years after. So this is one year for the draft. Now, if the orders are going to have three picks every year for four or five years, yeah, then it becomes a big problem. I think that's totally fair, and, and there'd be reasons to, to sit there and say, hey, this is uh, this is not ideal. Right? Like the orders had four picks last year, they have three. I, I don't think they can do that again. I think you got to get back in the category of taking a few strikes and seeing how, or taking a few swings and see how many hits you get. So there you go. Hey guys, do you think he'll replace a similar type player in the order system? Um, well, I don't know. Like, I know, hey, if you look at the order system, so let's do a system, look at the order system top to bottom. He's not replacing anybody in the NHL because he's not going to be an NHL player next year. So now you're looking, okay, well, who do they have in the organization who was, in the American League. And so let's look at centers. Well, it's, uh, you know, he's, Brad Malone is, is not somebody I, I view him as replacing, right? Uh, Borgo is a winger. Carter Savoy is a winger. Tyler Tulio is a winger. James Hamlin, he's in the organization. He's got a year left on his deal. So the only guy who in the organization who's a center is Noah Philp. All right, now he's 24. Now the orders can easily qualify him. It's an easy qualify for him. Now, the question becomes for Noah Philp is does he look and say, you know what? Yeah, I could sign. I could stay in the, in the AHL and think that maybe there's a spot for me moving forward. Or because he is um, – now, i got to look at Philp's birthday. Yeah, he's turning 25 in August. So does he look and say, hmm, I can, you know, I can, I can sign again. Or do I do I want to get because if I if I'm signing it, you know, unless the orders are going to give him a significant raise in the American League, which they could do, does he contemplate Europe? Because in Europe you can make more money. And now you're 25 and you're like, okay, I played pro hockey, you know, got a taste of it, but now do I have to make a business decision? And if the business decision is that now I don't know what Noah Philp could command in Europe, right? It's probably going to be more than in 70. Could he get 200? Could he get 150 tax free? Well, if you can, then you, then you have to look in your mirror and say, okay, does this make sense for me? So that that's the only guy that you could see replacing. But the orders I'd still would, if he does leave, I still think they're going to qualify him because then you maintain his rights. And I could understand if he decided to go there because you know at, at certain point in your life, money becomes a factor. It's it's not always the driving force all the time. And, you know, Noah Philp had, had made good progress in the minors this year. But I think that's kind of where it would be as far as replacing someone internally. But keep in mind, Noah Philp was 24. I don't even think, I don't, I don't think it's fair to expect Groove, who's 20, to come in and replace a 24-year-old. Hey, Gregor, what do you think happens with uh, Tyler Benson? Um, Benson is a Group 6 free agent. And I think he will uh, he will sign elsewhere. 
I, I don't, I don't, you know, he's he spent a lot of time in the orders organization. I, I think he's he's going to look elsewhere. You know, he might be a guy who's considering Europe. Because, right, like, I'm not sure the NHL is going to be in his future, unfortunately, for him. So now you look at it, where can I, where can I play that I'm going to have fun, where I'm going to get to play, and then ultimately, you know, maybe pocket a little bit of extra cash. That's just a business decision now. So uh, I, I don't expect him. Uh, he's a free agent in the minors. Justin Bailey is a free agent. Jason Demers, Slater Cuckoo, those guys are free agents. Um, you know, Demers isn't coming back. Uh, Slater Cuckoo, uh, you know, we'll see what he does. Um, I think they liked what Justin Bailey brought uh, in the American League. But I have to look and, and count, you know, how many veterans they have. And, the, you know, if you've got Greg McKaig, you've got Brad Malone, you've got Seth Griffith, there's three veteran forwards already. I think if you're going to get a veteran, you'd probably want a defenseman. So I would guess maybe Bailey looks elsewhere. We'll see. So there you go. Let's take a, a quick Sports Center update with uh, Connor Halley. Uh, then we will return, talk uh, Mike Rupp, Tyler Wright, and more. The Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Here's the comment on a Sports Center update brought to you by the Edmonton Police Service. They're hiring a rewarding career with over 100 different roles. Discover your policing career. Visit newepsrecruits.ca. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.